0: Welcome to the Reforming Lounge, a podcast on spiritual formation for the wandering heart. Every Wednesday, we gather to discuss questions centered around mental health and discipleship in the context of the local church. What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Reforming Lounge. It has been a hot minute. I am one of your hosts, Marco, joined by Fowler. What's up, dude? It has been a while since we've
1: recorded. I know it feels like it's been a super long time.
0: <laughs> I mean, it has been a super long time. Uh, we'll get into this in a minute, but originally we were going to be recording season two uh, back in December and or January, yep. and it's uh, it's March seventeenth. Yeah. So we've had a lot of things happen. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So, in a nutshell, uh, why don't you catch us up on some of the things that you've been working on? Because you you. You had a big uh, change in December. You've um, had a lot going on as a result of that change. Really good stuff. But nevertheless, uh, you've been a busy man.
1: Yeah, dude. Yeah. geez. Well, put me on the spot. Why don't you? That's literally what we talked about before we started recording. It was like, hey, man, talk about this. And you're like, yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, I guess. Okay, that's fine. I'll do it. Um, I quit my job. And I'm working at Walmart as a greeter. <laughs> so as a I still have my master's in marriage and family therapy. I'm just kidding. No, I did quit my job, though. Um, they got a little crazy. And so I decided that that relationship was not functioning anymore. It was not mutually beneficial. Uh, so I was like, peace, dog. And I went full-time private practice. And that's been a really good decision, actually. So I filled up pretty quickly. So while this could be a marketing thing, I actually don't have any slots for people. So
0: oh, all that's not right. a bad problem to have. So in though. case you actually, some of you listeners that
1: have stuck around with us, in case you need help, you can't get it here. Boom. No, people can always contact me for a recommendation. Also, shout out to my colleague, Dr. Juana Garcia she does have openings and she works with us at our practice at family and, Fowler therapy Fowler therapy what is it come on bro Fowler it's family Fowler therapy. family therapy can't get my job right out my business slash blog you need to stop you're going to confuse people Fowlerfamilytherapy.com is the the website
0: I'm <laughs> just saying that because you had your blog kind of titled like that for the longest
1: time you know what man just bringing up. Past decisions, past transgressions. What's wrong with you? Past just transgressions. Leave it. We have goodenoughtogether.com, which I think we've actually ended now, too. We've Did you really? Fine. Yeah, because like um, it's kind of a complicated thing. But essentially, it, it it's more beneficial to have the blog on our counseling website. So we've just moved the blog over to or we're in the middle of transitioning the blog over it's to like the blog website. is still up i mean it is because i like we had already paid for the year or whatever but it's not going to be updated there anymore a review of the state affairs
0: you're pretty regular on this blog a year ago <laughs> thanks man <laughs> super regular i mean it looks it i mean just for the blogs oh never mind <laughs> The more I started scrolling down, yeah. It, anyway,
1: whatever. That's cool. I wrote a lot at the beginning of the pandemic, and then I just stopped. Yeah. And and Shelby stopped, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's been our blog for it a was while. Like January, you're solid, and then no one hears from y'all until
0: March. Um, <laughs> keeping you on your toes. That's good. I'm actually wondering to read this one. Okay. Anyway. Well, that's cool, man. And so you got slots that are totally filled. You yep. are 100 percent working for your private practice, which is really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, what else have y'all been up to over the last over the last quarter? I mean, I know that 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 alone is a big change. And I remember you and I just talking about it, and you getting everything ready, and kind of yep. trying to estimate how many clients you did need, and then and then getting to the place that you are now. But apart from that, um, what else have you been? up to or working on over over the last couple of months
1: That's honestly been pretty consuming um shelb ended up quitting her job also because the private practice was going well so she's kind of doing you know her own parts um with our group and so there's just a lot to be figured out mm. on uh really the legal side um And then just kind of, you know, planning for the future because we, we had done like, um, like marriage ministries that we've been a part of in the past and kind of helping with parts of like premarital seminars, but that's something that we really want to do like on our own. Mm -hmm. And so we've kind of been planning around doing stuff like that with other churches in the area, um, hold me tight seminars, which is kind of like an education based, uh, for, for couples. Right. Um, but that's been a lot of it, man. Outside of that though, because of I'm not, you know, having to go into an office 40 hours a week at the agency anymore. We just had, had a ton of family time together, which has been really awesome. It's like every Wednesday, Alyssa's home from daycare. And so the three of us will just like go to a park or something like that. And it's been really, awesome and just like life-giving having that amount of time together yeah that's great man that's
0: really really good we gotta be spending that amount of time and then having the flexibility to do that so that's great yeah that's cool man how about you i feel like i've had a lot as well like uh we started we started a, a new sermon series three weeks ago on ecclesiastes which is by far one of my favorite sermon series uh, in the history of our church, and um, and I opened up by saying like uh, one of the more common things that I'm hearing a lot of people say right now is you know when you ask how are you doing the the most common answer is not I'm doing good or fine the most common answer is I'm really busy I'm really tired I'm exhausted there's mm-hmm. a lot of people. Um, in our context. And I'm sure, I mean, this is not unique to anyone else, but just who are just really tired and, and I am among them. And so, um, you know, one of the, I've always not wanted to say I'm doing good. I've always said something along the lines of um, just trying to survive the dream. And it feels as though that is pretty accurate this semester. And so I think, Back in well, so the one of the biggest things was back in January when we were originally going to start recording. I think the week that we were going to start recording, uh, my mom ended up passing away, and so uh, working through all of the details of her funeral and uh, working through working with family to to kind of get all that set up was not as big of a headache uh, as it could have been, which I'm really thankful for. Um, but at the same time, I don't, I hadn't even talked to you about this. I don't think I had. And, uh, so my mom died on a, a Tuesday morning that Saturday we had my brothers and I had a private viewing and then we couldn't have her funeral until two weeks later, which landed on Valentine's day. So February 14th. So we, we do the funeral. And so I, I, spoke I did I did my mom's eulogy and um and leading up to that day I felt as though I had been grieving well and processing my mom's death really well um part of it for two reasons one I knew I know that my mom was a believer and then two I think as a young Christian um The doctrine of God's sovereignty was woven into my my heart and my understanding very early on. And so uh, I think that is what gave me a lot of comfort as I walked through that with my brothers and grieved, blah, blah, blah. We have the funeral. And I remember feeling this, this sense of relief that, okay, this is now done, almost like closure. This is now done. We're good. And uh, what I was not anticipating was this rush of mental exhaustion and emotion to come up. Uh, not that I was ignoring any of that, but it almost felt like uh, I was talking to one of the guys about it yesterday, and it felt like I would have been on adrenaline, not knowing that I was on adrenaline. And then finally it ended, and you kind of feel that release of like heavy realization. A relaxation when when you come off of adrenaline. and uh, the problem was that because I wasn't anticipating that, I already had a bunch of other things scheduled that I couldn't back off of. So I had classes to teach. I had another funeral to do a couple of days later. you know, we were about to close a series. we were gonna start Ecclesiastes. There were all of these things that for the next three weeks after my mom's death, were, were gonna be really, really packed. Yeah. And um, we brought on uh, another staff member, a part-timer, and he's doing a really good job. His name is Tony. Tony does a great job. Um, at the same time, Tony really hit the ground running. And so it was a mix of him learning the responsibilities of his area of ministry, while at the same time assuming more responsibility because I just I wasn't available. And him assuming that responsibility only a couple of weeks after he just started. Um, Yeah. That's intense. Yeah. That was, that was, it was just a really, really packed season. And I didn't want to tell people all I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And it's not that I didn't want to talk to people at all. I I did. It's just, that was the, that was the hard truth. I was really exhausted. I was burning out. And so that's kind of just been, our season
1: um yeah you know with next week finally getting some time off that's good man yeah you hadn't said about like that i mean that sense of adrenaline afterwards hitting you and i didn't i didn't know about all that yeah i oh. think uh i mean when it happened uh even that week or like the the
0: week of all of that i don't think i would have even articulated it that way sure you know and so yeah. it took me so a while to know realize, what's happening to me. Mm-hmm. yeah, it took me a while to realize, oh man, all of this exhaustion and all of this like emotional, this bag of emotion kind of just came and or, or surfaced and not in a bad way. And not that I was neglecting emotion or grieving or any of that stuff. Um, I don't know. It just, uh, it just, it, it surfaced after everything was done. And so it kind of felt like, oh man, the adrenaline is now over and and all of this is what's left and rather than kind of slowing it down a little bit more i couldn't um i couldn't take my foot off the gas
1: yeah and so now you guys are taking a trip and finally getting that rest now we're
0: taking a trip yeah we're finally getting some rest next week um i was originally supposed to be in california for some x29 with some work with x29 Um, but I, I pulled back from that trip so that we can, so Rebecca and I could just get some time off and, um, regroup and reset. That's good, dude. Yeah, man. How long are y'all going to be out there in
1: San Antonio? Mm,
0: I think, um, four days. So we'll hang out with some friends, but we'll also just get a lot of alone time. Um, I know Rebecca wanted to drive around to some of the near small towns and do some stuff. And so, yeah, yeah, we'll do three, four days, something like that.
1: That's good stuff, man.
0: Yeah, yeah man. Like,
1: I think it was like uh, we were supposed to start recording Monday, and that was when your mom went into the hospital. Yeah. And then yeah. I followed up with you the next day, and she had passed already.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It was really past. Um, yeah. You know, what's crazy is there are a number of people, both in and out of my congregation, that have experienced the loss of their parents um, kind of similar in the last two months. Really? Yeah. in, in like a quick type of thing. Dang. Um, <clears throat> so my, you know, the way my mom passed, um, a friend of mine, his dad, uh, he just started coming to our church. His dad passed away just before my mom did. And it was kind of quick, like went into the hospital for a checkup and then they wanted to really, uh, run some tests cause they had some concerns. And then, real quick, three days later, passes away. Um, <clears throat> uh, when the the other guys, in, uh, the guy I was talking to yesterday from from uh, church, his uh, his brother in law, I think it was his brother in law, he had gotten uh, some kind of uh, like a preventative surgery uh, regarding pancreatic cancer. Recovers from surgery, doing really well, and then maybe a week ago, was internally bleeding go to the hospital. Hospital's like, Hey, we can take care of it. Don't worry about it. Three days later, homeboy dies. Um, a friend of mine is also in the hospital. And so I was with him last week. And while I was there, I hadn't, I hadn't seen his wife in a while. And so we're catching up and talking about church and life and kids and all that. And so she'd found out about my mom and she starts asking me these specific questions only because I come to find out her mom had uh, liver cancer. And so she's walking me through some of the thoughts and experiences she's going through. And that was on Monday. Her mom passes away on Wednesday. Um, And then uh, I talked to another pastor yesterday. His, his father died three days ago. Um, Knowing that his dad was, he had, he had, he, he was not doing well, but it just happened really quickly. So in the last, yeah, two and a half months, two and a half three months um yeah i've I've spoken with a lot of people who have lost a parent uh very quickly and it's not that they weren't expecting it or that they weren't
1: ready for it um it was just fast yeah yeah dude well glad you've got some time to (laughs) kick back you
0: look like your mind is just like oh my gosh what do i do with this
1: (laughs) no no I mean, that's just, I mean, that's so much at once. You know what I mean? That's just, yes. yeah. Also kind of makes my, makes me appreciate my position. I feel like I always feel this way whenever, because, um, you know, you. it seems like you've had to do a lot of funerals just over the years and the times so that yeah. you've been yeah. pastoring. Yeah, I've done and,
0: 10 or 11 funerals.
1: And so every time you talk about that, I'm like, man, I'm so glad I'm not in that role. That just sounds... Yeah, I don't know. Man, I
0: I will say having done um, several funerals really helped me with my mom's as far as navigating through some things with my brothers. And so because here here's one thing like I have seen the worst in people come out at funerals. Yeah. And you would think that's it's not the place. And a lot of the stuff that you need to address, you should do it, not in this context. But um, I've seen the worst, and people kind of draw out in funerals. And so, after my mom died, the day that my mom died, I was with my brothers, and I said, "Hey, as we begin to work on, you know, mom's funeral and the the, the plot and all that stuff, um, here's what we're not going to do, and this is why we're not going to do it." So, prefacing all of that with my brothers and pushing them on that was, I think, really helpful. In addition to that uh my mom and dad uh had worked on getting their with their death insurance and the plots at the cemetery and all that they they set that stuff up 15 20 years ago so that ended up kind of just working itself out really really well logistically and financially but apart from all of that it was meeting with my brothers and and our essentially our eldest cousin who's like a sister of ours like folding them all in and saying we're, we're not going to do certain things and this is what I've seen in my experience, and you're just going to have to listen to me in in this context yeah. because this is what I've seen happen. And yeah. sure enough, there were a few times, not with my brothers, but with extended family, there were a few times where extended family was was trying to insert themselves into the way that we were doing things or make comments about you know something having to do with my mom or whatever. Yeah. And uh, and it wasn't as bad as I've seen. So sure.
1: yeah. Yeah. I remember when my uh, grandma passed and one of the nurses was saying how, like, kind of speaking to that, that like the way that we were functioning as a family around the whole thing was mm. like pretty unique and that, you know, she had seen some pretty wild things. And I've kind of been on the other side of that, too. Just as a case manager, I remember I had people where they had lost people and the way that their family was acting in the midst of it was pretty uh, I don't know. It's like maybe shocking. I mean, I get that people respond differently in grief, sure. So I can kind of look at it in that way, but it's still, yeah. Like, I think the kind of expectation would be that people would kind of pull it together to honor, yeah, a person that's passed. And yeah, man, definitely didn't always work that way though. Yeah, that is very true, man. Well,
0: <clears throat> we've uh, we've been talking a lot about what's been going on. Uh, yes. we want, so I hope listeners are caught up. Um, we can talk more about that later. In addition to all this, as we start recording episodes again, which we're really excited for season two, we got some new things coming up for season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted to open up this episode with a, uh, a mailbag. And so we wanted to address a couple of things that we got some, uh, feedback on from season one. And so we're going to walk through a couple of questions. But in addition to that, um, man, we're really excited about season two because we're going to be doing some things a little differently in season two. So we got some more book reviews, which we got some really good feedback from on last season. Uh, We're also going to be doing some interviews, which I'm really stoked for uh, for season two. And then we're going to dive into a couple of series uh, for season two. So. Uh, all of this, or I should say a lot of this is really coming at, at the as a result of like the way you're putting this together. So I'm really excited for that. Um, one thing I did want to mention is, um, Lord willing, as we continue to record and grow and as we gain listeners, uh, we're possibly looking at some sponsorship, which is really cool. Uh, and that's something that will have some details later on in the future. Um, but it might have something to do with coffee. I don't know.
1: Um, that would be interesting yeah
0: okay we'll keep everyone posted um but man okay so let's let's dive into this we got a couple of things that we wanted to address um because we got some feedback on them yep and we're gonna go back and forth on a few things the first one is regarding our episode on uh the enneagram titled the enneagram sucks i think that's what it was
1: no, I think that's what we that. called it. No, it was, it was, was Marco's version. Enneagram,
0: helpful or harmful. <laughs>
1: um, in, in your mind, mind so, it was always the Enneagram sucks. But yeah, yeah in my mind, we it was something yeah. else.
0: <laughs> so, um, so we got a lot of good feedback regarding the episode on the Enneagram. However, one of, uh, well, we did get good feedback. And one of the pieces of feedback that we had received on the episode with the Enneagram was, it was a critique that we could have done a better job elaborating and defining what the Enneagram was. Uh, Mm -hmm. Part of the feedback was that we did a good job walking through the benefits and even some of the areas of concern. Um, But we did so in a way where perhaps we assumed that our listeners uh, we're familiar with the Enneagram. So, as we yep. rewind the clock a little bit, how would you define the Enneagram for our listeners and then kind of expand on some of the things you've been chewing on?
1: Ah, shucks. I got to define it. Jeez. You want me to define it? No, man. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. Well, I just kind of made this up because. Even on the Enneagram (laughs) website, it doesn't really define it, which I thought was interesting. Right. But um, So this is Mike's version of what the Enneagram is. So the Enneagram is a personality assessment where an individual will complete a series of questions on how they respond in certain situations. And these responses place them in one of nine categories with a variety of subcategories. So if you listen to the episode and we're talking about like Marco being a one which was a reformer, and me being a nine, which is like a peacemaker. Um, that's based on you completing some questions, and at the end of it, it says this is your enneagram number. Yep, that's basically short and sweet. Boom.
0: <laughs> and so, when it comes to the enneagram, uh, one of the things that we had talked about was how not just individuals, but organizations, even churches, man, they they really really find. Um, the Enneagram is helpful. And I know, for example, some churches find the Enneagram helpful so that they can help their congregants discover their gifting. Uh, Perhaps in the context of counseling within the church or without the church or outside of the church, um, the Enneagram is used for um, contexts such as marriage counseling. Uh, But you have Kind of a concern based on some research that you've uh, learned about or identified regarding marriage counseling and the enneagram. So, not just speaking to individuals, but but particularly in the context of marriages, you you have come to uh, learn of some 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 new concerns that you have regarding the enneagram. So, what would those concerns be? Uh, what are those concerns, and and why should perhaps? the way people use the Enneagram in marriages mm, change or why should they be challenged? Uh,
1: So it's not even new concerns, actually. It's what I've been saying through the whole first season is that insight doesn't necessarily create change for people. So when it's self-help or, you know, stuff like the Enneagram, like people can't really do it differently just because you give them some term to use to define Mm -hmm. their personality. And so that was sort of just me talking from my own perspective and what I see in marriage counseling. But then, yeah, what we were talking about is um, I'm reading this book that's kind of a consolidation of a large variety of research on attachment. Mm. And. They actually, like Gottman, who we've talked about before, we're going to talk about it a little bit in this episode also, um, who's a really well-known, profound marriage researcher and several others pointed to the fact that individual personality assessments should not be considered when it comes to marriage counseling, because what's a lot more important and necessary to know about is the interaction between people, not just their own individual personalities. Um So that it just kind of validated everything that I had been saying. All right. I just wanted to say I was right all along. So, essentially. Yeah. That's another way to say it. <laughs> Told you right there. So, But yeah, man, I did find that interesting though. I didn't know that they had like actually, cause you know, I mean, some stuff, I think that's, what's kind of funny about research is like some stuff we just, maybe people know inherently, or we might assume or we could kind of reason our way to it. um, Or we could make deductions from what we do know about other research. Yeah. But sometimes they, they just look at such small things. And so, but, seeing that it's actually been looked at like is this even helpful mm. hey guess what no it's not uh it's just kind of exciting to me always yeah. so
0: no that's good that, uh, man. well there you go i hope i hope that clears up your your lack of definition
1: on AMC's any great no yeah, that's funny. really good that's shelby good. Okay. mentioned it like at, like right after she listened to the episode and like the day after one of my buddies listen to our episode and he was like, I don't even know what the Enneagram is. I was like, man, <laughs> we did not do a good I, job that he said it. Yeah. Basically. Basically. <laughs> no,
0: that's good, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, so th- I hope that takes care of the Enneagram. The next thing uh, on here is, this is something you wanted me to address. Spirituality versus theology or not versus theology, but the difference between spirituality and, and theology. and, uh man, I guess before I answer that, I have like follow-up questions um that we can kind of oh. toy with a little bit in the okay. sense of what do you mean by spirituality? And what do you mean exactly by theology? Only because if I'm gonna make a distinction at at surface level, theology really is the study of God's word, whereas mm. spirituality tends to be enlightenment.
1: Okay. That's it. Well, I mean, that's that's I don't know. Maybe that's a good enough answer. It wasn't my question. Yeah, it's so true. I'm someone sent me to this. Yeah, it was, I, I forget what I, I should have written down. What episode it was that you said it? Uh, but you were talking about. I, I want to say it's where you were saying that like theology is hard, mm. and spirituality is just kind of like whatever you make it. So yeah, people so, kind of prefer that.
0: Yeah, so. Man, I would I would break this down in, in a couple of ways. Now, when it comes to when it comes to theology, I'm thinking about the individual who who does know the Lord, who um is trying to grow in their theology. So I would equate that versus someone maybe who doesn't. Um so anyway, when it comes to spirituality, oftentimes uh it's I think it's important to figure out what exactly the context is. Because if spirituality equates enlightenment then okay then there's some things that we need to talk about for instance when we begin talking about in an epistemology of discovery enlightenment is going to fall within that category because that teaches and suggests that truth is out there for me to be discovered and I'm going to learn and I'm going to um, hold on to I'm going to learn and discover truth through my senses, through what I can see, through what I can touch, through what I can experience. Um, And that's good, except it's limited. And one of the ways in which we know that's limited is asking yourself whether or not you've ever been wrong about something, right? And so that just happens to be an epistemology of discovery. And so oftentimes when it comes to spirituality, spirituality equates to uh enlightenment so enlightenment teaches that it's out there for you to discover it's out there for you to get it's out there for you to feel it's out there for you to experience and then you become a more um spiritual being you become more uh, in tune with what's going on around you and the like that's if that's what we're looking at regarding spirituality when it comes to theology however number one for an individual to grow in their understanding of God's word, as they are following Jesus. Uh, sometimes um, sometimes theology is, is hard because you got to put a lot of mental energy and focus on what God is saying through his word, what God has revealed to you through his word. Uh, and that comes with spiritual disciplines and praying and meditating and so on. And so, Oftentimes, I think individuals who really like being spiritual, even in the context of Christian circles, they just want to feel their experience as opposed to learning, having a personal responsibility to growing and learning their Bibles. Um, And I think sometimes the reason that happens, the reason there's some of that intimidation it's not fully on churches, but I think one of the things is that churches don't equip, disciple, or develop their congregations well, and so you're kind of left out there to figure out theology for yourself, and the only, uh, the only reference you have to theology is your pastor or these dead guys who are super smart, but when you look at individuals who are pursuing spirituality, Man, they're out there feeling their experience and that gets them closer to God and therefore that seems a lot
1: more attractive to the immature Christian yeah yeah man that's good well I think that answered the question but I'll ask my buddy what yeah he thinks. I, I hope I hope I, <laughs> I, I did that yeah
0: um so I hope that takes care of that all right the the next one we're going through these quickly I dig it all right the next one you said some of some this um I think it was like one of our first episodes. I can't even remember. We didn't write any of this down, but this was really, really good. Um, I mean, we were talking, Oh, it was, I think it was on a theology of emotion and you mentioned the distinction between feeling and emotion. And I had several of my guys were like, Whoa, what does he mean by that? Expand (laughs) on that. Tell me more. One of the guys who's like, you know, uh, Tony who's our staff member. Um, Tony, who's like following in your footsteps, going to graduate school for counseling. Tony was like, well, "What does he mean by that?" So yeah. for Tony and all those who you confused, what is the distinction between feeling and
1: emotion? So I'll give you my answer, and then I'll give you a more right. Uh, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that. So, so an emotion is like pretty basic on some level. It's, yeah. it's the reaction in our brain. They can, um, you know, the things that you think of, of like feeling happy, feeling sad, feeling angry, uh, disgust there's, there's some that are considered universal, but research has moved away a little bit from that. Cause it's not anyway, I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole. So <laughs> there's, but you know what you would normally think of as an emotion, but we tend to use those words interchangeably. So we say like an emotion is the same thing as a feeling. A feeling is really more the description of the emotion. Okay. So what happens for Mike when he feels happy might be different for Marco when he feels happy. Okay. So when you say you're happy, like I have some sense of what you're talking about, right? But they're, there could just be a lot of different things that um, are connected to that, that I would be unaware of if you weren't to describe them. Um, So I kind of talk about feelings as if it's an analogy that I'll use in my sessions is it's like trying to describe an abstract painting or it's like, there's a lot of nuance to it. It's going to look differently and you're kind of like coming up with words and expressions to describe Um, your reaction to this basic emotion. Right. Mark Brackett is a uh, director of emotional intelligence at the the center, Yale. Um, And he has a book called permission to feel it's really good. Uh, And so this is how he describes it. He says an emotion, happy, sad, or angry arises from an appraisal of an internal or external stimulus. So it's pretty brief. It's just like, like what we were talking about sort of with triggers, right? Like we see something, we have a reaction to it. Uh, And then a feeling is our internal response to an emotion. And he gives an example. I'm angry about something that's happening between us. It's caused me to give up hope and I can't keep going this way. That's a feeling. Mm -hmm. It's nuanced, subtle, and multidimensional.
0: So in your context, like in in, in terms of counseling, Mm -hmm. Why is it important to make that distinction? Like, for, I mean, how about this? why is it important yeah. for you as a therapist to make that distinction? I may never as a client, right. Mm-hmm. Even as a congregant, I may never necessarily come to a place where I make a distinction between emotion and feeling. And I'm just using those words interchangeably, but right. for you, it matters. So from, from your perspective, why is it important to make that distinction? How, do, how does, how does that help you help others?
1: I mean, it, the way that I use it is it helps people expand and really experience what's happening emotionally for them. And so if they just tell me that they're happy and we move on, which is a lot of times what people will do, they just say, you know, like talking cognitively about how they're feeling, but not actually experiencing what they're feeling. And so when they can get into this description, then that can actually kind of Will, like heighten the emotion mm. um and really help them experience it in a different way, which can be very helpful in the work that I'm doing with people. But that's never something that I really describe to right, people. Right. Like ever. Right. Uh, and honestly, there I mean, I hadn't even really planned on talking about it in that episode. I was mostly just giving you a hard time because you're yeah. kind of using it interchangeably. And so I just threw yeah. it out there. Well, you you confused a lot of people. Well, you know. No, you didn't confuse it. you got a lot of people interested. Well, good. I mean, the the thing that I would add here though that I think is really important and I do sometimes help people understand is the difference between thoughts and feelings. Because mm. sometimes they will, and I I think this comes out of, you know, sort of like some of the self-help stuff that says use like, I feel language. And so if I say, I feel Shelby does not care about me, if we're like having a bad moment, right. I'm, I'm actually making meaning and thinking based out of my emotional experience, Mm -hmm. what she must be experiencing. Mm, Okay. All right. But that's not a feeling. So if I, see something from, maybe, maybe I get a look from her. That's more of an assessment. Right. It's like how you make sense of the information that you have. Gotcha. So if, if I get a look from her, like maybe, uh maybe I look at her and she kind of cuts her eyes and maybe she's just distracted, just doing something else. Right. But if I see that and it says something to me that, Whoa, something's not right here. And then I end up feeling anxious. right? And then I tell myself out of my anxiety, she's upset with me or she doesn't care about me, Mm. whatever direction it goes. That's the meaning that I'm making from the emotional experience that I'm having. Gotcha. And that's That's where couples will get caught a lot, right? Because it's like, well, I'm feeling anxious. Something just happened where I ended up feeling anxious and I'm telling my partner how I make sense of that anxiety rather than what I'm actually experiencing. Mm. And I'm taking that. This is where people get caught I'm taking that as if that's absolute truth of like, right. well, I felt this way. So that must mean that you're upset with me. But then if they're not upset with them and they're being told what they're doing, then people tend to not have a great reaction. To that. Right. Right. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense.
0: That's really good. I dig that. Oh, um, nice. Look at that. Good, man. Look at you. Hey guys, we hope you're enjoying episode one of season two. As you can tell, we enjoyed the banter a little bit, but there was also a lot to discuss. And so rather than hooking you up with a 90 minute podcast, we've split our time into two episodes. And so tune in next week for the second half of this episode as we banter a little bit more, but also look ahead at what we have going on for the Reforming Lounge.